BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. He didn't wait for Jadakiss to have that moment with Versus before he put Jadakiss on the album. Jadakiss was already on Khaled albums. What's good? This is another episode of DX Daily, your favorite podcast. You know the podcast where we keep you up to date on everything that goes down in hip-hop music culture. It's brought to you by Hip Hop DX, and I am one of your lovely hosts who is very excited about these next couple of days, and I need the weekend to hurry up and get here so we can get into all of these new albums that I'm super excited about. Asia Sky. And I'm your other host who is also excited for everything going on for the rest of this week, A-Dub. All right, it's Wednesday, and we have a new Kendrick Lamar interview. He did a sit-down and a cover story with Citizen Magazine, and he explained exactly why he's not on social media. Also, DJ Khaled unveiled the tracklist for his upcoming album, God Did. J.I.D. revealed the tracklist for his upcoming album, The Forever Story. Megan The Stallion is still fighting to be freed from her label, 1501. And Jay Prince is jumping back in the mix and speaking out against Megan The Stallion. So it's a lot to get to today. But before we dive into it all, please subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate all the support that you've been showing all the subscriptions, all the love, all the tweets, all the IG posts. We appreciate it all. So thank you. Now let's go ahead and get to it. All right, so let's get started with Kendrick Lamar. I love when we get a Kendrick Lamar interview. That's a treat in and of itself. You know, he's pretty much a recluse when it comes to speaking to the media, when it comes to just being out in general. So this time around to see Kendrick actually out here speaking to people, hanging out with people, doing so many shows, like it's really been a treat this time around with the Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers album. And he recently covered Citizen Magazine. And in that interview, he touched on why he's not so big on social media and just putting his life out there in general. He really delved into how much he likes his privacy. And that's like a big factor behind why he's not on socials. Yes. Yeah, so one thing with Kendrick Lamar, like like you said, we don't see him post a lot. If he does post, it's like news breaking, like, oh, Kendrick posted this or Kendrick uh, released this on his IG and stuff like that. So he basically said to the magazine that people ask him, like, you've never been on social media. You really hate it. And he said he doesn't hate it. He said he doesn't really know how to use it to be 100 percent real, which I find kind of interesting that he doesn't know how to use it. Because it's not, well, we think it's not difficult to get around Instagram or Twitter, but maybe it is to some people. So that's interesting. Yeah. And it, it makes me feel like, okay, so now we know he's not really the one posting to, to his Twitter or Instagram like that, probably. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they probably, if he has something specific he wants to say, I'm sure whoever's doing it for him is going to say what he said. Like, type this. Kendrick's probably telling him, like, all right, this is what I want to say for this picture. Or if he does want to tweet something, maybe he'll tell them. Or maybe he might ask them to show him how to tweet it directly or something. I don't know. But I thought that was very interesting. Like to be off of it for so long that you don't really know how to use everything or get on these apps like that. That was very interesting to hear from Kendrick. And uh, as far as the privacy aspect of it goes, he says he's got his friends and his family and his team that like send him send things over to him. But he doesn't really like get on there on the daily and see what's going on for himself. 
And he also said that he wants to distinguish between Kendrick and Kendrick Lamar. So when he's with his family or friends or people that know him, I guess that's Kendrick. And then when he's performing and out in the world, he's Kendrick Lamar. And he also said he's so invested in who he is outside of being famous um, that sometimes that's all he knows. He said, I've always been a person that really didn't dive too headfirst into wanting and needing attention. He said, I mean, we all love attention, but for me, I don't necessarily adore it. I use it when I want to communicate something. The person that people see now is the person that I've always been. He said, for me, the privacy thing has never been an issue that I had to carry out with full intention. It's just who I am. If I feel I have to remove myself, I just remove myself. I won't complain about it. I won't cause a big blow up or a big stir and let the world know that the walls are closing in. So again, another very personal Kendrick moment without him going into details. He's able to do that a lot. Like when he's, when he speaks, even though it's, it's rare that he does speak, like he finds a way to tell you a lot about himself without telling you a lot. Like he didn't give us any personal, really personal information there, but he basically told us how he feels about media, how he feels about sharing details of his life that he really doesn't like to do that. And if he feels something is going wrong, he won't participate in it and he'll just walk away from it. So I feel like we we still got to know a little bit more about Kendrick, but we still don't know details of his personal life, if that makes sense. Yeah, he really knows how to like conquer that where it's like not too much, but a little bit. But we know more than we did before. But like you said, again, not too much. So I give him credit for like pulling that off because, you know, some some of these artists, they tweet everything. They talk about everything. They spend too much details and it kind of backfires sometimes. So I like how Kendrick says a lot without saying too much. It's nice. Yeah, it reminds me of the days when you didn't know everything about the megastars because there's only a few megastars left and the ones that are are on that level of a Kendrick, you don't absolutely know everything about them. Like I think of Beyonce when I think of this approach that Kendrick is taking. This is the same approach Beyonce and Jay-Z take. Like we don't know everything. (laughs) and They'll give us little glimpses here and there. They'll come with a photo but Beyonce is not speaking. She's not sitting down with, a, with an outlet and, and telling what's going on. Like, that's not what's happening. I feel like the biggest megastars that we have left all kind of take this approach. Drake is more sociable, but still, like, he, he's not sitting down with people doing interviews all the time. Like, there, there's just, we don't know everything. And I feel like that's a part of it. Like there has to be some level of mystique and Kendrick has mastered that. So very interesting. I'm definitely going to check out the entire citizen interview. I'm going to buy me a copy because I just feel like Kendrick's on a legendary run right now. And I want to support, continue to support that. Mm -hmm, For sure. All right. Speaking of support, I am itching to support this new DJ Khaled album that drops on Friday, man. I'm so excited for this project. God did. They didn't believe in us, but God did. Callie got me saying that now. Like, it's, it's so catchy. I love when he does this with, with all of his albums. He comes out with that phrase that you just say leading up to the album and after the album comes out. Like, he, Khaled gives you mantras with his album titles <laughs> and affirmations with his album titles. So I'm very excited for God did. And the lineup of features on this album is crazy, man. <laughs> Cali got everybody that raps or sings on the God Did album. Like, this track list is wild. Yeah, there's so many acts on this album. Of course, you got Drake, Kanye West, Eminem, Jay-Z, Travis Scott, Future, SZA. You also got Lil Baby, Lil Wayne, 21 Savage, Don Tolliver, Juice World, Jada Kiss, Lotto, City Girls, Kodak Black, 
Quavo, Rick Ross, and more. There's more people <laughs> on this album. Yeah, like that's that's just the tip of the iceberg with those features and the the songs that he has. I feel I, I think every song is a featured artist actually, and just the the people that he selected lets me know like this is not no joke. This is not no game. When Khaled and Travis Scott link up. We know what happens when Khaled and Drake link up. We know what happens when Khaled and Jay-Z link up. We know what happens. But some ones that excited me really was the Eminem thing. That's crazy because Eminem and Kanye are on the same record on the album. And we haven't heard Eminem and Kanye together since forever, I believe. Yeah, like we haven't heard Eminem and Kanye forever since forever. Don Tolliver, you know that's going to be crazy. Juice World on the album, rest in peace, like... That's going to be crazy. All of these people that he selected, I just feel like we're, he picked such solid artists for this album. Or even having Jadakiss do a Jadakiss interlude. That's going to be fire. And the great thing about Khaled is all of these people that he has on the album, they've had like fantastic years in the past year, two, three years. But Khaled was already rocking with these people. Like, I remember one of my favorite songs on the, um, I believe it's the I Got the Keys album with Khaled, is a Jadakiss song. It's it's Jadakiss and Pusha T, good man. Like, so Khaled was already rocking with all of these people that you see on this list, and that's the fantastic thing. Like, he's not waiting for Jadakiss to have a moment. He didn't wait for Jadakiss to have that moment with Versus before he put Jadakiss on the album. Jadakiss was already on Khaled albums. That's the fire thing about it, so... I just love everything about this. I love all of these interview clips I've been seeing with DJ Khaled. I love the interview clip that I saw with Khaled and Speedy Mormon, where Khaled basically confirmed like, yo, this Jay-Z verse, this Jay-Z verse is one of them ones. That's basically what Khaled was saying uh, in the interview with Speedy. So all of the media surrounding it, the Drink Champs interview, all of these interviews that are coming out, hoping Khaled goes on the Breakfast Club as well. Like all of it. I'm just excited. I want to know what God did because Khaled has been talking about God believing in him and all uh, and all of this. I want to know what God did, and I'm ready to hear it on Friday. Yeah, I'm ready for it, too. Um, Features Alone, I think it's going to be a great album just because of the pairings and things like that. And even the cover art because it has DJ Khaled like looking up to God, I assume, and he has a tear in his eye. And it's real sentimental and real inspirational, kind of. So, And, of course, with the album like God did, it's like, it's got to be legendary. So, yeah, I'm excited for Friday. I am, too. And and the way Khaled is so extra really just speaks to me because even if you look at the producer credit in the album, <laughs> this, this is who executive produced the album, according to Khaled. Asad Tuck Khaled. That would be oh Khaled's oldest son. <laughs> Alam Tuck Khaled. That would be Khaled's youngest son. Khaled Khaled. That would be Khaled himself. And Allah aka god so just the the extraness of dj khaled just really gets me this whole lineup of the album the extraness of all these artists being up there the extraness of this back cover of the album with all the song titles and khaled in the back looking up to god like (laughs) by this big huge tree combined with these executive producer credits like All of it just is so big and so extra, larger than life. And it's such a perfect picture of how Khaled has been his whole career. So hopefully this album is amazing. I think it's going to be dope. I'm very, very excited about this. Mm -hmm. All right, another album that I am excited about is J.I.D.'s The Forever Story, which is also dropping on Friday. And Jid dropped his track list as well. 
And he's got Lil Dirk on the project, Lil Wayne, Ari Lennox, 21 Savage, Yasin Bey, a.k.a. Most Def, Jonte Austin, Earth Gang, Kenny Mason, and more. So again, a lot of features, but a lot of weighted features, a lot of heavy features. It's not just, oh, let me let me get the most popular person I can find. No, it's it's his fellow Dreamville artists. It's people he's been working with, like 21 Savage, Atlanta legend, songwriting music legend, Jonte Austin, like Yasin Bey, most deaf. Mm-hmm. J.I.D. got most deaf on his album. Again, like you can tell the thought and intention was put into this. So this is something I'm also very excited about. Yeah, I like his features too. I think those are going to be dope as well. And um, when he posted the track list on social media, he did say on Instagram, these are the official features on the Forever Story. Want to say thank you to everyone who helped put these words and sounds together. This meant the world to me because none of this was easy and you gave your all to my vision. And he also um, appeared to credit some people who weren't on the feature track list, like that's like James Blake, Justine Sky, and Fouché. He included them in the caption. So I wonder what they're going to be doing too on the album. I'm excited to hear what he did with James Blake. James Blake has mm-hmm. great collaborations with hip hop artists and R&B artists. Like I love James Blake. So that's going to be an exciting mix to hear about as well. Uh, Justine Sky and JID definitely wouldn't have thought of that <laughs> in my mind, but I would love to hear that too. Yeah. Very, very exciting, man. And you got production from Christo, who's great. Thundercat, Tommy Brown, Katronada, DJ Khalil, and others. So, yeah, this JID project has been a long time in the making. So mm-hmm. it's gonna it's it's some it's some music that we've been needing to hear coming out this weekend. Like we've been needing that, and you know, uh, with the whole Beyonce thing and the Drake album, like them kind of switching the vibe of what we're hearing to more of the good vibe music. Like I feel like these are going to be a continuation of that. Like I don't feel like we're getting sadness on the Khaled album I don't feel like we're about to get sadness all over the JID album maybe a little bit but I think we're gonna get more so his life story the forever story like I feel like we're gonna get more of who JID is so I think this is gonna continue the feel-good music trend and and uplift us music trend which I'm all for as well same here so yeah I haven't been excited for a new music Friday album wise in a minute so this is a good one all right now let's move along to Megan the Stallion lastly because speaking of new music you know she recently dropped her new project Trauma Zine and she feels she has fulfilled her label obligations now you know she's been back and forth with 1501 for a, a while now in a very bitter back and forth between the two entities and Meg has now amended the lawsuit against her 1501 label saying that she's fulfilled her contract and she also wants 1 million dollars in damages for 1501 attempting to derail her career. So not only is she saying I'm done with y'all, I fulfilled all obligations, but y'all tried to stop me from fulfilling these obligations in the process. So not only do I want to be done, but I want a million in damages now. Right. And then um, as you remember, I think we talked about this a couple, well, a little episodes ago where I think when Megan dropped something for the hotties, something for the hotties album was supposed to be like her last fulfillment to get out of her um, label as well. But then 501 was like, these are songs that you just kind of put together or they already been out. So this doesn't count. So they had their own lawsuit against Megan claiming that it was still owed millions of dollars of her contract and um, to recoup the 30% of her touring and merchandising profits. So Megan and 1501's legal battle has been messy for a couple of years now. Um, 
it looks like it's still gonna be messy and if she's asking for a million in damages now that you know this album is out traumazine is out she feel like she done so I'm like is she done like can it be you know swept under the rug now and everybody get their money so uh, it's tricky yeah, and the day that Trauma Zine dropped, actually, she accused the label of trying to leak the album, leaking her cover, and leaking songs from it. And she also tweeted directly about Carl, and she said, Carl be so MFing mad. Aha, that's why you can't make no money off me. Um, she also said, I can't catch a break. My label hate me, and my sh- always leak. At this point, invite the hotties to the studio and the shoots. So that was the actual day the album dropped. She also had a little bit more to say last night on social media. But before she went on her rant, Jay Prince actually came and spoke out against Megan Thee Stallion and defended Carl Crawford against Megan and Rock Nation. Jay Prince said, For years we have stood by quietly as Meg Thee Stallion and her management Rock Nation has lied about Carl Crawford and his 1501 label. The truth is that Carl Crawford discovered, developed, and fully financed Meg Thee Stallion early in her career, which led to a life-changing distribution agreement for her with 300 Entertainment. From 1501's earliest agreement with Megan, long before Meg Thee Stallion was a household name, 1501 generously agreed to give Megan Thee Stallion 40% of its profits, which is substantially more than the customary record royalty that a new artist receives from a record label. So, pausing it right there... He's putting numbers out there saying Megan Thee Stallion got 40% of the profits. Now, in the back and forth, I believe she felt she wasn't getting paid all of her profits. Meanwhile, Carl also felt he wasn't getting paid cuts of things that he should have gotten paid from, like the tour, like the merch. Carl claims he didn't get his 60% of that, which he was supposed to get, and Megan was supposed to get 40. Um, that's mm-hmm. where they're, That's a part of what they're battling out about the lawsuit. But I don't believe that Megan Thee Stallion put any numbers out there. So Jay Prince is putting a number out there. He went on to say, any attempt that Megan Thee Stallion or Rock Nation have to portray a contract that provides a new unknown artist with 40% of the label's profits as unconscionable or unfair is blatantly false and contrary to the customs and norms in the music industry. In fact, we have seen several Rock Nation contracts and Rock Nation pays its new artists a customary royalty that is significantly less than 40% of profits that 1501 agreed to pay Megan. Now, that part of it is interesting because Jay Prince is basically saying, oh, we see the contracts they do over at Rock Nation, and y'all don't even give 40%. So why are y'all teaming up with Megan to try and portray this contract with 40% as unfair when y'all give people less than 40%? But my thing is, what Rock Nation doing with their contracts don't have nothing to do with the contracts that you had or not even Jay Prince had that Carl had with Megan Thee Stallion. So I see what Jay Prince is trying to do here. He's trying to rope it all in and rope it together and be like, oh, okay, well, y'all aren't even giving people that. But you don't know the contract that they have with Megan Thee Stallion. And that doesn't even matter because Megan's whole thing is let's go our separate ways. Carl's whole thing is we can't go our separate ways until I get my money. That's old. But Megan feels she already recouped the money. So it's just a whole big mess. (laughs) And I don't understand why Jay Prince is involved in this whole thing. Yeah, I don't get that either. Um, I know he's a, you know, big name in the music entertainment industry, but I don't know where he really fit in in this legal conversation but I mean since he did provide numbers I guess it has some some something to prove and things like that but uh I don't know how he got in his business I don't know how he got in Megan Stallion business but 
It is what it is. It's just messy. It's a whole legal mess. Yeah, Megan Thee Stallion spoke on it last night. She put out a series of tweets and she spoke her mind. She said, for this man to keep getting on the internet with his backup to talk like he made me is ridiculous. Was you writing my songs? Were you with me in my dorm room recording me rapping? What about all that rapping outside my mama car? Think ciphers. I ain't even know you. So basically, you know, she said you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. She said, when my mama died, I knew a bunch of hood guys who just started a label for the first time. We're not, we're probably not going to be able to manage me properly. So I got with rock by this time I was a bigger artist and I asked to renegotiate, not leave. What was wrong with that? This man is greedy. Now that's an important note too, because she initially wasn't even trying to leave 1501. She was trying to just bring new management in there that she felt could do bigger things for her career as she was becoming a bigger artist. So that's important to note. She initially wasn't trying to leave the label. Now, when they got upset that she wanted to bring Rock Nation in, because bringing in another entity means what? Sharing more of the profits. 1501 didn't want to do that. So they got upset, and that led to this whole back and forth that's going on now. Meg went on to say, I'm so over these grown ass men trying to take credit away from the work me and my mama put in in the beginning of my career. Me and my mom developed my career. I was already known for freestyling and I was already working on Tina Snow before I got on 1501. They keep signing people and everyone got the same story. Go find all the girls and the guys that started over there with me and some of the girls after me. Anybody in Houston know how that man is fake. He talks so much ish about Jay Prince and now that's his bestie. So, it, yeah, it got real it got real messy on the timeline. <laughs> Megan is, is going at Jay Prince. She's going at Carl. She's saying, Carl, talk junk about Jay Prince. I've been following this story. It is, it's very interesting. And when we see the legal conclusion that this comes to, that's going to let us know who was really just talking just to talk and who was really telling the truth in this situation because they're going to rule in favor of one person or the other. Somebody going to have to pay somebody and uh, we're going to see if it's Megan the Stallion having to pay 1501 or if it's 1501 having to let Megan the Stallion go and possibly pay her. Right. So I'm curious to see what happens with this one. Yeah, to be continued. That is going to be the cliffhanger that we're going to end it on today. That is going to conclude today's episode of DX Daily. As always, subscribe to this podcast on all streaming platforms. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel as well, which is Hip Hop DX. And be sure to follow us on all of our socials. That's our Instagram, our Twitter, and our TikTok, which is Hip Hop DX. Yep, you can follow us as well. I am at Asia Sky on all platforms. And I'm at A Dub on everything, too. All right, we'll be back at you tomorrow with more daily news. See ya. Bye.